It's time for a Big Blue Kickoff Live. Nobody can ever tell you that you couldn't do it because you're dead. On Giants.com. You know what I saw? New York Giant Prime. And the Giants mobile app. 17-14 is the final. One touchdown, we are world champions. Believe it, and it will happen. Part of the Giants Podcast Network. Let's go out there like a bunch of crazy dogs. Have some fun. All right, how you doing, everyone? I'm Ross Salzberg, and once again, welcome to Big Blue Kickoff Live here on Giants.com and the Mobile Giants app. As always, with me today, my good buddy and colleague, Paulie Dutch, Paul Dottino, uh, Pearson Butler, our steady producer at the helm, and then, of course, there's you, the fans. As always, the number for you to give us a call and talk Big Blue Business, 201-939-4513. That's 201-939-4513. And uh, who'd have thunk it? Pauly Dots. Look at him. He, the, the, Pearson, his face is getting, he's glowing like like his shirt, his, his Red Giant shirt. Who'd have thunk five and one? But believe it, folks, it is real. You know what, Russ? Um, as I look at this team, and we've discussed on the last couple of days, they've got some injured guys still that they'd like to get back. They've got some young guys who are still developing. I don't think there's any doubt. And I, I know that I don't want to get people too jumpy now, but this is a 5 and one team that is still yet to play its best football. This team should get better as the season goes on. That's the plan. That's what Joe Shane wants. That's what Brian Dable is playing for. That's what this New York Giants 2022 edition is all about, about getting better each and every day and improving each and every day. So if they're 5 and one now, I don't even want to speculate as to how good they might be by the time it gets to Thanksgiving and Christmas. Well, he, to me, here, here's the important thing about it. Um, I don't know. You, you know, you'd like to believe, I would like to believe that they're on the upward move to, as you say, continue to get better and better. But to me personally, the best part of what this Giants 5-1 and one record means to me it's the head coach and his attitude believe me he is of everybody who's optimistic not that he's not optimistic but his approach has been the very same to where we are now at five and one to where it was starting with the season Mm -hmm. And, and you even heard that kind of thing from joe judge last year believing in the process but he's got the guys believing in the process Believe me, folks, when I tell you, because I'm, I'm sure, I'm sure in people's minds, dandelions and daffodils are dancing and playoff things and this and that. Trust me when I tell you, Brian Dable knows he's got a lot of work to do. He knows there's a lot that needs to be done, and so does General Manager Joe Shane. Having said that, and Paul, I said this to you when we were sitting outside earlier, that it's a lot easier to be building and still want to build on what you need to do when you're five and one, as opposed to being five, uh, one and five, because Mm -hmm. the confidence is there. The attitude is there. You feel good coming. Listen, you and I feel it coming in here on Mondays or Wednesdays, if you will, after wins, as opposed to the whole building, it lightens up the entire organization. Russ, I think it's important to understand the reason that Dable and Shane are so concentrated and focused on the process 
is because in this game of, of, of football, the National Football League, the quicksand of mediocrity, as I like to call it, it doesn't take much for your train to get derailed. Huh. It really doesn't. It could be one key injury, two key injuries, a couple of bad calls that cost you a key game, and all of a sudden that karma gets thrown out of whack. That's why it's so important to be focused every day on the process. Get better every day, improve every day, go to work and prepare the same every day. That's the whole reason why Dable stresses this stuff, because he understands the train can get knocked off the rails in a heartbeat. And the best way to keep the train on the rails to get where someday you want to go is to keep chugging along, just doing the same thing. Get that shovel of coal, throw it into the fire, and keep the train going. Yeah, uh, I, Week to week, forget looking down the road. Week to week, I say this all the time. When I look at the schedule, and I've looked at the schedule, and you, you know how people tend to look, was well, this game winnable? Is that game winnable? I, I look at all, all the games, and I says, yeah, it's winnable, but that's the glass half full part of it the other side is yeah as long as it's winnable it's also the flip side it's also losable like there's nothing that the Giants should do this the Giants should do that they just need to as you say keep chugging along and st- stay on track they're a middleweight team Russ Be- because yeah you're not a heavyweight contender you're a, they're a middleweight team middleweight teams can win a game as easily as they can lose a game I, I mean I look at the next two games j- just just looking at that and and I almost don't like doing it because I'm, I'm it's almost enticing people to talk about it. But they're at Jacksonville, they're at Seattle, uh, the two trips, and um, you want to say you know because people look at records, yeah, they're winnable, they're winnable, and I say yeah, they are, but they're also losable. Well, if they win, I'm not coming home and I'm not going to greet them home and when they come home and say, great, you did it, you did it. At the same point, should. God forbid, heaven forbid that they lose. I'm not going to be shocked either. It's just I look at this team week to week and what are they going to give me? The the one thing that always scares me each week, they're still a battered and beaten up team. I'm looking at a receiving mm-hmm. core. You, you know, hey, how many times have you you and I looked at each other on Sundays and said they're not complaining now? We, we heard for, for two years about, well, Saquon, was that the smart thing to do to draft him? to draft a running back with that pick. And then we were getting the same stuff about uh, Daniel Jones with the six pick. Well, no one's saying any of that now. It's funny what happens when you're healthy and, and you're in good shape and you're ready to go. But, you know, Daniel, Daniel's still doing it. Three guys that were penciled in to be major factors in his career this season was Sterling Shepard, Kenny Galladay, and Kadarius Tony. Hello? And he's still doing it. Yeah, but the MVP is wearing 26. Yeah. Okay. Thank God for that. Okay. I'm, not, I'm not disputing that, but you, you know what? Uh, Daniel's done a hell of a job. No doubt. A hell of a job. No doubt. No doubt. And But without Barkley doing what he's doing, it would not nearly be as, as plausible for Jones to have the season he's having. That's why I've said all along, I had no trouble with Barkley being the number two pick in the draft. I thought it was the right pick then. I still think it's the right pick. And you're seeing the difference that he makes on this team when he's allowed to play and the injury bug stays away from him. I'm telling you, Russ, and and if you want to take the quarterbacks in or out of the equation, I don't know. But I'll tell you this, there is not a non-quarterback in this league right now 
who deserves the league MVP more than Saquon Barkley after six weeks. There's not. Uh, Case closed. Yeah, I would, I would agree with that. I, I would concur with that. I also, every time he runs with the ball, I, I think of the comments, and you know what I'm talking about, uh, when he was drafted and the criticism, oh, the Giants, oh, Dave Gettleman's going to rue the day when when he picked, uh, he knows he picked Saquon Barkley over Sam Donald when Sam Donald yeah. is leading the Jets for the next decade. How'd yeah. that work out, folks? Mm-hmm. And I'm not talking to fans. I'm talking about the critics. You know, a lot of people in the media were killing it. How could he pass on Sam Donald and this and that and, you know, Saquon Barkley? Well, and then Saquon Barkley, the two the years after his rookie year, he became a bad pick. Why did he become a bad pick? Because he wasn't healthy. But when you're healthy, it's got a lot to do with how you perform. We should go over the injured list real quick. Here, yeah, let me let me just yeah, let me just give out the phone number for yeah. people to call 201-939-4513. That's 201-939-4513. Go ahead, Paul. Okay, Flod is not practicing today. Ojolari is limited. Uh, Gates is getting closer, according to Daymole, says he's had a couple of good weeks making progress. Tony and Galladay will not practice today. Feliciano and Thomas are limited. No concerns at all or limitations on Saquon Barkley. And he also said that uh, as far as Kadarius Tony's concerned, he claims, and again, he's like Howard Hughes. He's a mystery man to all of us. He says he's optimistic that Tony will help this team this year. He's doing a very good job in his rehab. I'll believe it when I see it, when he's in the lineup. No, I'm, I'm, I mean, you know, listen, we're not going to be tipped off on injuries, what's being worked on and what. And, and I, I don't get nuts over these injury reports unless it's like one of those catastrophic with holy mackerel. Uh, Daniel's not playing or Saquon's not playing or Dexter's not playing, you know, that kind of thing. The, the, the final injury report that comes out on Friday is the one that you really have to count on. What happens on Wednesday and Thursday is still so shady and so well. Iffy. That's why I just you don't. Know? I just don't get nuts over but, it. But we should tell people he did say Collins is going to get more reps at practice today mm-hmm. because they have to do a better job of identifying where he is with the playbook and with his conditioning. But Collins is going to get ramped up today. All right. Well, let's take care of a little business before we open up the phone lines, folks. Make sure you go uh, subscribe to the Giants Huddle Podcast. The podcast features a. Rapid reaction right after each and every game with one of our analysts, an episode midweek featuring an interview with a national analyst, and then a game preview featuring a long-form interview with a current Giants player, an exclusive sit-down with Bob Papa and head coach Brian Dable, and an opponent preview of that week's opponent. So there's plenty for you, so search for Giants Huddle on your favorite podcast platform or listen on the Giants app or at Giants.com, all right, slash Podcast. Again, the number to call, 201-939-4513. Let's open up the phone lines and here in New Jersey and check in with Hugo. How goes it, Hugo? Hey, how are you guys? Good. Hi. You know, you know I, I agree with Paul uh, that this team's going to improve as the year goes along. and I, I, In part, it's the players and in part, it's the coaching. I think I mentioned that last week and Maybe my comments were misconstrued that I was looking too far ahead to the NFC schedule. But really the point I wanted to make is we're already starting to see improvement. Um, you know, players like Bellinger, Evan Neal had his best game. It's just all, all across the roster. I do have one question about um, Barkley. 
but before I get to my question about Barkley, you know, I really want to give credit to whoever is our uh, outside linebacker coach. Because, you know, going into this year, Thibodeau was a rookie, Ojolari was injured, but somehow a bunch of guys that no one's even, you know, no one really knew about have really stepped up. Well, you know, Zimenez has improved dramatically, but. You know, we have a quite a good mix of uh, edge players between Zimenez, Jihad Ward, and uh, well, J- even, J- Jihad you know, Ward's been excellent. I mean, you know, he's very he, been very impressive. Even Tomon Fox has given some yeah, good. Yeah, moves. no, no, they've. You, you, that's a good point, Hugo. We've gotten a lot of, a lot of. Well, that's what the Dable likes. A lot of contributions from everybody. Drew Wilkins yeah. is is the guy you'd want to be talking about. But to be frank. It's really the D.C., Wink Martindale. Yeah. Who deserves the most credit of any of them? Yeah, I, I think, I think they've, they're think they really just doing a remarkable job with this roster. And, you know, the players are going to keep, uh, you know, improving. And, and as Paul alluded to, there's going to be reinforcements down the road. This team in December is going to look completely different than it did, you know, in the early part of the season. And that's, I think that's a reason for hope. Every, every game's a struggle, of course, and you're going to take it one at a time. But, uh, you know, there, I think there's some positives that are going to come out of this roster as, as we move along. Now, the one question I had about Barkley was I agreed with the draft pick. And, Paul, I think you and I have talked about this in the past, that we saw him more as a weapon. And I think Gettleman actually may have mentioned that. Yes. But, you know, I don't, I don't think we have fulfilled his potential in the passing game I'm talking about explosive plays. There was that one play against Green Bay. Well, let's be in in fairness, Hugo. I I understand what you're saying. But again, um, you got some young people on the offensive line uh, and and not only on the offensive line, but you also have a a receiving core, which has been decimated. So it's kind of, you know, know, it's. It's a lot easier for defenses to focus on Saquon Barkley. Remember, Saquon caught 91 passes his his rookie season. Now, uh, going into the season when Dable was asked about utilizing him in the passing game, uh, he said, yeah. I mean, he wasn't promising 90, but he, he was saying, yeah, we'll, we, we certainly want to involve him. I just It's more than just wanting to do it, it's what you have around him that allows you to do it. Well, to address that point further, he's seventh among running backs in the NFL right now with 21 catches, and I figured he'd have probably about 70 to 75 by the time the season was over. I thought that back in August. So he's kind of on track there. What bothers me, and I think what bothers you, he's only averaging 7.4 yards per reception. And I did think they would try to get him downfield more to where he'd be averaging somewhere between 9 and 10 yards a catch. Yeah, but I think the problem uh, getting him downfield, again, is what I just said. They've had a problem getting receivers downfield. So uh, you understand what I'm talking about, Hugo? It's it's not something that they don't want to do, but it's what they have to do it with. And listen, their receiving core, I mean, who the thunk? I mean, we're talking about, do you think Richie James was going to be your main guy going into the season? I mean, really, think about it. All of a sudden, Darius Slayton is back in the fold, if you will. Every, but, but, but to, everything has changed. Yeah, but I, I would say that I like the mix of receivers we have now. I actually like it better than what we had, call it, in the opening of the season no, I, I, lower I, receivers on the field. No, Hugo, and, and buddy, thank you for the call, but l- listen, 
You want Kadarius Tony healthy, okay? You want, you know, and he's not because he's done, is Sterling Shepard. You would want Galladay to be the Galladay of, you know, when he was a Detroit Lion to say that this is better than that. I, it's kind of silly. I, I mean, Paul's looking at me like, huh? I mean, that that just doesn't make sense. I'm th- sorry. Th- in theory, those were your top three guys on the depth chart. Yeah, that's what I saw. I opened a show talking there's about just, that. There's just no way. There's no way to quantify the loss of those three guys. Had they been healthy and been able to produce what they were expected to do, I mean, it, it, honestly, it, that, it, that's 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 like spilling all, almost a whole gallon of milk on the floor. That's yeah. a lot of loss right there. That's a, that's a good way of putting it. That, that's more than a little spilt milk. That It's everything. That's why I said at the beginning, when, when, when we talk about the progress of Daniel Jones, he's doing it without a front-line receiving core. It's not, I'm not looking to take anything away to diminish the contributions that we're getting from the guys in there. But let's be frank. It's not what it, you know, we, it was not what was planned on going into this season. Russ, we said over the course of the first two shows of the week, and I know you weren't here, that Slayton's resurgence. Oh, thank goodness. Critical. Critical. And now Wandell Robinson finding his way into the mix. These two guys are going to really have to shoulder a lot of the load going forward if the rest of those receivers can't pick up their end of the bargain. And you know what? You just mentioned that you're right. Really, yeah, he played a game before, but just for a little bit when he got hurt. Basically, this past week was his debut. I mean, come on. So, you know, Daniel, whether he's a rookie or not, Daniel really didn't have him to this week. So, I mean, that's a big Big difference, you know, to to say that you're happy with th- th- this group now than you were with going into the season. I just I just can't buy that at all. All right, let's go to again, folks. Two zero one nine three nine four five one three is the number. Let's uh, here in uh, the Oakland area of New Jersey. Check in with Mike. Mike, how are we doing today? I'm great, fellas. I'm actually in California. Oh, well, oh, then, then you're up earlier. Okay. Pierce. Yeah, well, how am I supposed Oakland. to know? Oakland. Well, Oakland is Oakland, New Jersey, <laughs> for crying out loud. Yeah, but his Oakland's warmer than our Oakland. Yeah, that's for sure. What do you got there, Mike? Yeah. Hey, well, you know, I, I was going to say Kadarius is killing me because that Dallas game showed me a taste of what could be, but I actually called to talk about two things, hopefully. One is um, Saquon's blocking, and the other is Daniel Jones and the Audible. All right? Go ahead. So, um,. You know, with Saquon, when he came into the league, you know, Gellman talked about him being a gold jacket, Hall of Fame player with an unquestionable work ethic. And, you know, I bought his jersey. I've rooted for him from the beginning. But I also argued on this show that he couldn't become a truly great back until he learned to block because you got to be on the field on third down when your team needs you to be great. And I really liked that yesterday you guys were talking a little bit about um, his blocking and recognizing that it really looks to me like he's taking a leap in blocking along with recapturing that rookie explosiveness. I couldn't agree with you more. Yeah, you you know, Mike, he does have the reputation, and you've, you know, I think you mentioned it there. Um, For lack of a better term, he works his ass off. He's a hard-working guy, and he's been that way from the time – we met him the very first day he showed up, uh, you know, at a Giants uh, in a Giants l- locker room. I don't make this comparison lightly, 
when Tiki Barber came into this league and he was viewed as a third down back and a kick returner, uh, he -hmm. did not want to block anybody coming through on the blitz. (laughs) He just didn't. He would he he uh-huh. was he would fold like a house of cards, and look, I'm very good friends with Tiki, and I don't mind saying this to you. It took him a number of years to the point where then Jim Fossil made him a full time running back, and he knew that if he did not become adequate, at least adequate, as a blocker picking up that blitz, he was never going to be allowed to develop as Fossil had wanted him to, and you know what? He did it. He put his nose to the grindstone, yeah. and he did it. Barkley is doing the same thing this year. Yeah, if you remember, just I'm just saying it, uh, Mike, if, if you're a big Giants fan, uh-huh. you know what Paul's mentioning, uh, working on blocking, was the same thing with Tiki with the fumbles. He worked on it. I, I mean, oh yeah, he, he, that's what Dable stresses. You don't get better unless you bust your tail doing it. And, and that's, that's what he's getting from everybody. Everybody, the work ethic in this organization right now is tremendous. Best blitz picker-upper I'd ever seen on the Giants, David Meggett. And he wasn't the biggest guy. No. But, man, Well, no, he I'm at Bradshaw. Feisty. I'm going to go with Bradshaw uh, uh, on that, that one. Uh, uh, did you see Meggett? Yeah, but, oh, yeah. Uh, Meggett, Meggett. Megget was Bradshaw was great. Bradshaw, Don't get me Brad, wrong. Bradshaw was very good. But, but Megget Megget was absolutely sensational. He was a Parcells guy to all be, the way because be of the fair, way he picked up blitzes. Yeah, I mean to be fair to Megget, you know I'm 55, so um, my memory uh, isn't great. And <laughs> okay. I'm, and I'm, Bradshaw's more recent, you yeah, know. That's but all right. He was a stud, and go ahead. No, no, I, and Brandon Jacobs was pretty damn good at it too. But of course, he was a horse. Yeah, no, no. You, you know what, <laughs> oh, I, my, Mike? I always called uh, Ahmed uh, when I'd see him in a locker room. I would always call him Little Big Man because he he was you know small in stature in terms of height wise, but he he even played like a big back. He, Bradshaw, Bradshaw oh, he, played yeah, like he a did. big back. He did. He did. You know, yeah, I mean, I want to I want to try to stay current because I know you guys got other people to call, but I could talk about Bradshaw all day. He ended up being one of my favorite Giants players ever just for the toughness and good pick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. everything he did. He was. He but was um, a tough but guy. I just want to say real quick about uh, – I want to get on to Daniel real quick and squeeze this in. But, um, you know, from from day one, you know, one of the things that I've been, been kind of looking for from Daniel Jones is – is seeing him grasp the offense in a way that he can recognize when we're in a bad offensive alignment, audible, change the protection, and get us into a better alignment. You know, like there's been too many, you know, open blitzes from the blind side and, you know, over his career. Of course, he's, he's still a young quarterback. And I just want to say, you know, in this, um, in this last game, I think it was the second half, it looked to me like he audibled and pulled Saquon Barkley in, sent him all the way across the formation, and Barkley ended up picking up a free cornerback blitzer off the offensive right side. And I just kind of wanted to get your feelings on that. It looks to me like, you know, Daniel's stepping up his game in terms of kind of the strategic recognition pre-snap. And uh, are you guys seeing that too? I'll ask around to see what the percentage is, but I would agree with you. I think that Daniel is making more pre-snap adjustments at the line 
than I've ever seen him do before. Yeah, and you, you know what, Mike, and thanks for the call. It's a lot easier to be standing there not being afraid to make audibles or this and that when well, the first thing on your mind is, please, God, don't let me get killed on this <laughs> next play. Very true. <laughs> no, but it's true. Absolutely. I mean, that, that goes in, in right. everything. You're right. I mean, what is it, what's the worth of a quarterback if he doesn't have confidence in what's in front of him. Used to be that his first audible at the line was, holy crap! Yeah, no, <laughs> please, God, don't let me get killed. Please, God, don't let me get killed. Yeah, you're right. You know, but, it, you know, it's it's all, it's the work in progress, but all the pieces are coming together. Everybody's working. And, and as I said earlier, it's a lot easier for, for Brian Dable and his coaching staff to come in you know, after games and look at films and explain to a guy, well, we did this, that, and that right, but we did this, this, and that wrong, but we won the game. You know, players, they're enthusiastic about the result, and I don't care I don't care if you're the best player in the league or you're a Pop Warner player and you're 10 years old. Good players want to be coached, and when you're winning, you really want to be coached. 201-939-4513 is the number. Let's stay here in Jersey, and uh, let's check in with Ben. Hello, Ben. How are we doing today? You're on with Russ and Paul. Uh, good afternoon. Uh, love the show. Love uh, listening and, and uh, having the opportunity to call in. Um, the the uh, level of, of the Giants' offense is such right now that I think there's such a small margin of error right so if anything goes wrong if they get into you know a shootout i don't think that we can we can compete so my my question is and and it's based on on these things number one we we're we're not going to be able to keep every game close number two we have to start putting more plays on film Right. If if you don't show a lot of plays, a lot of looks, it's easier for defensive coordinators to prepare against us. And I'm just wondering if maybe this week against the Jaguars, who don't have a lot of sacks year to date, would this be the good time to open up the offense a little bit from a like a, a deeper route tree? If you've watched this team carefully over the first six games of the season, you will have seen differences and wrinkles being unveiled each and every week. There is, a, there is a method to their madness. They have so much of that playbook that I saw during the spring and the summer, during practices and training camp, that they still have in their pockets. And when they unleash that fury and hell on their division opponents in the second half of the season, uh, some people are going to have their jaws drop because they're going to be like, where did that come from? They, they got a lot of stuff in this playbook, trust me. Both sides of the ball. Wink hasn't played the same defense once in six weeks. He has gone with a different basic schematic philosophy six different times. So I'm not sure what you're complaining about, to be frank. No, no, I'm not, I'm not complaining. I'm, I'm just saying that at some point, um, and and I and I I think you're 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 making my point is that they they have a lot in their book that they can bring bring absolutely before, but... they do yeah absolutely. but so they I, but, but they've just... been they've been dribbling it out little by little because that's the way they believe strategically it's best to best to do it and also got you got to remember something too with the changes they've had on the O line and the receiving core that's been depleted you got to be careful how much of that stuff you break out at once with guys who have been shuffled into the lineup too. 
All right. Thanks for the call, Ben. Appreciate it, my friend. 201-939-4513. Let's go to our friend down in Hotlanta, LaVon. Hello, LaVon. How are we doing today? You're on with Russ and Paul. Russ and Paul, I'm doing well. How are you? Hello. Good. I've always listened, and uh, recently there have been talks about trades. I disagree with that. I don't think we should make any trades. It's a work in progress. And you don't want to um, sacrifice future assets, draft capital, to to make some move that you probably you know don't even know if it's going to bear fruit. I will say it's good to see that this team is starting to show the rest of the league and and everybody else who probably didn't believe it that we have talent on this team. It was just a matter of that talent maturing and getting healthy like Saquon and Daniel, and we have players like Nick Gates, Shane Lemieux, Matthew Pert, uh, Kadarius Tony, who I wanted to talk about, who if they get healthy will further improve our, our position and, and overall um, value. Um, but I wanted to talk about Tony specifically and the fact that uh, just I'm gonna have, I have concerns, questions about the whole situation it just doesn't seem to add up you Levon, Levon, you're you're not alone my friend (laughs) you're you're talking to me and paul and nobody's got more questions nobody has scratched their head more than we have i i mean the whole thing with Kadarius, i'd be lying if i didn't say frustrates me a great deal i got to know the young man last year i really like him i I don't know i i just don't know i don't know with that being yeah, with that being said, I won't go into what I plan to because since we're on the same page, but my thing is uh, the relationship we have with players, with our teams, is based with the media. Media is a conduit to the fans, so we have an idea of what's going on with the teams we cheer for. That is the, the line of cu- communication between me and Kadarius Tony. Let I can't me, call him. Le, le, I can't le, ask him. LeVon, let me just say one thing. Paul's looking at me because I think he knows what I'm going to say. That's a little bit dangerous at times for the media to be the conduit for what the, the player or players are doing, and that's not just in this sport, but since we're talking about this one, because there are things that come out, and I'm there every day as Paul is every day, and there are things that come out, and to be perfectly honest, I'm like, where the hell did that come from? Because I was there listening to the same thing. So sometimes yeah. it's, you know, my frustration is, Levon, we just haven't seen Kadarius. We we got teased with him, you know. Yeah. We we know his ability if the ball is in his hand, but you know, what's the deal? Are you hurt? Are you injured? Because there's a difference. There's a big difference. It's unfortunate well, I... that you have to. You're right. The media is supposed to be the conduit between the team and the fans. The problem is when the quality of the media isn't what it used to be, and it yeah. deteriorates and becomes more interested in clickbait and themselves and ego and stirring up trouble because they just need to draw attention to themselves, well, now you got yourself a problem because as a fan, what are you supposed to believe? And, and you know what, LeVon, uh, you're down in Atlanta. Uh, sports yeah. is a microcosm of society. When we're, 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 you know, when we're mentioned in the media, it, this just doesn't apply in sports. And I'm not getting into a political discussion, no, but it doesn't true. matter if you're left, right, Republican, Democrat, uh, conservative, liberal. I mean, if somebody wants to spin something one way, they get their fans or their followers or whatever to, to go along with the spin. So that's, 
That's part of, that's why you as the viewer, you as the listener, you as the reader needs to be smart and on top of things. Otherwise, it's very easy to be fooled. Mm-hmm. Okay. I got one question. Do you guys have any updates on Shane, Pert, Nick, and their progress? And that's all I got. Okay. Um, Nick Gates has another week to go in his rehab before they decide to either put him on IR or activate him to the 53. Uh, Shane Lemieux, I've been telling people all along, I believe he's a few weeks behind Nick Gates. I believe that's still to be the case. So I would say, ooh, I would say right after the bye, you should have your binoculars out for, for Shane Lemieux because I think you'll, you'll see him relatively quickly. Uh, as far as Matthew Parrott, I kind of thought he might be roughly, roughly on the same schedule as Shane Lemieux, but he may be a couple of weeks behind him. That those are those are my gut feelings, based on uh, on on what we have what we've been able to learn about those three players. All right, thanks for the call, uh, Levon. A uh, little business, folks. The Giants' official uh, connected TV streaming app, Giants TV brings you original video content and game highlights on demand and direct to you, the Big Blue fans. Giants TV is free for you on Apple TV, Roku, and Amazon Fire TV, and, of course, the Giants mobile app. So take advantage. Again, the number, 201-939-4513. Let's go down to Florida, check in with Vinny. Hello, Vin. How you doing today? You're on with Russ and Paul. And by the way, Vinny, before you start, let me just add Rodarius Williams to that list. Rodarius Williams, who could help with depth at cornerback, uh, I also believe that uh, sometime pretty darn soon you're going to find out that he's prepared to practice as well. Awesome. Go ahead, Vinny. Hey, Russ and Paul, good to speak with you today. Russ, I used to listen to you on Channel 9 back in the day. Back in the day. Um, yeah, 70s, if I remember correctly. No, no, actually, not that, that, not that far back. Let's that that's, was starting in '88, but you're going far, far enough back. Yeah, I tried my hardest on uh, the last few days. I just got back from Disney, and my DVR is ready to play the giant game. I tried my hardest to not figure out what happened in the <laughs> game. You can't do that anymore. The Giants are top line news. Two years ago, you wouldn't. They would have won three in a row. You wouldn't have heard anything. You're right. Now, You're right. And you know what the funny thing was? You know, let's let's give credit to our one of the local baseball team, the Yankees. But you know, of all things, for the Giants and in, for, for the, their crosstown rivals, the Jets as well. Both teams had big wins this past weekend, and they're they're oh. not on the back page. You had to go ten yeah. pages in to get to them because of what the Yankees were doing. So, but go ahead, Vinny. Yeah. You're right. You, make, you make a good point. Yeah. First of all, you answered a couple of questions I had regarding the uh, linemen. So Nick Gates has till next week to get back. I I don't like. Uh, they, I love Dable, but I don't like his approach with the injuries, and that's very Belichickian. He's got, in my opinion, we're in New York. There's no competitive advantage to not say what was wrong with Shane Lemieux two, a month, two months ago. Like, did he have surgery? Did he break his toe? What happened? He's got to become somewhere between Belichick and Jimmy, Johnson, Jimmy Jones. Not Jimmy Jones, uh, the Cowboys owner. You've got to come somewhere between Jerry, Jerry and Bill. Right. Now, you know, my question is, 
Um, well, I would say know, I would I, I would say yeah. this. Though, let me just correct you on one thing, Vinny. Um, a lot of coaches that that way with um, with injuries. You know, Parcells yeah. was certainly that way. Was certainly yeah. that way. Uh, but I would say this: um, don't compare him. Uh, you use the phrase Belichickian. <laughs> Uh, because let me tell you, he is the exact opposite of Bill Belichick yeah. in personality yeah. and everything else, openness oh. and, and what. So I, you know, they're all yeah. gone. Yeah. I don't, I but don't I, get offended by coaches with injuries because they're all the same way. I, I just, I just, yeah. yeah. But Jerry Jones talking about Dak three weeks ago is polar opposite of that. Yeah, but Jerry you know, Jerry I, Jones I wanted... Jerry Jones likes to hear himself talk as well. There's a difference. Yeah, that's true. I will say Dable's blanket uh, prognosis of day-to-day does does get rather humorous sometimes, yeah. though. Getting better. I will say that. Getting better. Yeah, what, what do you think? You <laughs> yeah. gonna put, you're going to put him on no. IR? Nope. Getting better. Yep, getting yeah. better. Yeah. We're, we're all day-to-day, day, right? Really, yeah. when you get down <laughs> to it. We're all day-to-day. Yeah, and, and what I wanted to make, uh, I heard the uh, Schmelk podcast with um, Steve Palazzolo, and they were talking about Daniel Jones. And I couldn't disagree more with that guy, Palazzano, who's with the PFF. I'm just seeing too many positives with Daniel Jones. And I want to ask you guys objectively, Paul, I know sometimes you struggle with objectivity with, with our beloved New York Giants, but I would call Daniel Jones a top five running quarterback. Now, I'm, not, I'm just saying running-wise. Would you agree with that? Uh, and then let's talk about his passing, because I think they should sign him, maybe for a year or two, but they should certainly invest. I don't think anyone's going to provide better results uh, 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 than Daniel Jones uh, is now. Vinny, I said this like a couple of weeks ago, and you know, Paul and I concur. I said Daniel's doing a good job of securing his future, and if he keeps playing like this, it's going to continue. If gun to my head today, yeah, they're signing him. I don't know exactly for how long, but uh, right now I would say that they're extremely pleased with their getting out of their quarterback because yeah. with, with a short deck, he's also showing some tremendous leadership. Tremendous leadership. Yeah, there's really yeah. no other way to see it, and I, I you know, I'm not going to apologize for that opinion because it's a fact. Yeah, would you call him a top run fi- top run well, running based quarterback? Well, ba- based on the pure stats, he's sixth among NFL quarterbacks in sixth. rushing okay. this year. Okay. Okay. But he's also had a couple of games where he was, you know, a little bit gimpy and and maybe didn't run yeah. as much as he wanted to. Uh, I don't, as you know, I don't prefer running quarterbacks. I'd rather not no, have I him run that. more yeah. than four times a game. That's my I'm cap. Sorry, boy, he's got to. I know. I, well, I get it. I get it. No, no. <laughs> Listen. I understand the necessity of using his legs with this team, given the situation, what they have on the the club, who's healthy, who's not healthy, and what they need to do to win. I understand it. It doesn't mean I have to like it. Look, we all take cough medicine when we're sick. You don't have to like cough medicine, but you know you have to take it, right? (laughs) Yeah, I would say that um, it's my opinion that we got to – I'm a little concerned that they didn't pick up Jones's fifth year because it's just one year. I, because we don't have a hundred percent control no, over Saquon he, and Daniel. Yeah, but but, Vinny, but you can use the tag. No, no, you no, can you use can, the tag. You, you can. It's use, okay. Yeah, you can use the tag. But Vinny, you have to remember something. In fairness to to Joe Shane and Brian Dable, they came in. 
they needed to make an assessment on a man-to-man, one-on-one basis. They didn't know anything. It wasn't they were down on on, on um, Daniel at all. It was like, okay, yeah. we got to get to know you. That That's what you have to do. So quite frankly, I would have been shocked. And, and believe me, I want Daniel here, but I would have been shocked if they just went ahead and signed him because sight unseen. I, I'll tell you what, my gut feeling is they needed about this amount of time to judge moving forward if he's the guy in their future. Nobody's told me What's anything. I would say yes. Look, in the in What's the, more I, costly? What's more costly? The fr- I don't know the answer. The franchise tag or the fifth year option? Well, it, it depends. Well, the tag, the tag, the tag is going to be what twenty seven. I got to look it up. I got to look up what the tag is. It might, might be almost. It might be almost. It might be almost thirty. Every minute of your show. Well, the tag. No, the tag gets changed every year because it's based on the current it's salary right. structure. Yeah, and the way the, the salaries tag, are going. I mean, the, the tag right. is probably about thirty million right now. That that that's not a bad. Uh, okay. That's a lot of schadol to be tagged. If you know it, what I here's, mean. Here's here's what I would say. I'll give you a better a better answer. You got to tag him or Saquon. Yeah, because yeah, but he, well, he, right, right. But here's the better answer. The better answer is, and I said this the entire offseason, if you've listened to the program, the better answer is both guys play well this year. You get Daniel to sign a moderately priced contract because you take into account his injury history, and you say to him, Daniel, we're going to give you a nice deal. We're going to give you a nice signing bonus, but understand it's not going to be a top-level contract because over your career you haven't proven to be as durable as as you could have been, yeah. so you can't get a top flight Mercedes Benz contract. But you can okay? say you can say the same thing uh, about um, Saquon. Yeah, we'll see. What I would do is give Daniel the contract, maybe three years, all right, with some guarantees, some incentives, and a fourth year opt out, which gives him a little more incentive to sign it. Because by the time you get to the fourth year, now he can still get another deal for big money. You see, that's how I would structure it. The other thing okay. I would do then is franchise Saquon. Because you can franchise him for a year at about $10 million, which is not an exorbitant amount of yeah. money for a guy who's going to put up 2,000 yards from scrimmage. Right. So that's what I would do. That's what yeah, I would do. The, and that, would, to me, was the best-case scenario. What about New England or... Texans are probably going to get the number one quarterback, but what about a New England or realizing Mac Jones isn't going to cut it, and then someone offers him, you know, Patrick Mahomes money or or uh, what's his name, Kyler Murray money? I don't think anybody like, hey, is going to bowl. I don't think any team call, outside man. the Giants is going to bowl over Daniel Jones with a huge offer for two reasons. Number one. Over the course of his career, he has not proven to be Iron Man durable. And that is a very big impediment to somebody offering a huge deal. Number two, Daniel Jones, for as good as he is, he's a great fit for the Giants. A lot of other teams want quarterbacks who are going to put up more splashier numbers and and have more spectacular highlight packages. That's not what Daniel Jones does. Yeah, but remember something though. I I I I understand what you're saying, but Daniel Jones as the owner of this team, well the co-owner John Mara said when when uh, Joe Shane at, at Joe Shane's press conference, 
this organization has done everything to screw up this kid. Well, they have. So, well, well, so my, my point being, he wasn't able to be flashy because he didn't have what to be flashy with. Let's see what happens the rest of the season. Let's see who gets back in the lineup. Let, let's see that. I, I, I don't think, I believe me, if, if he plays very well, I won't be surprised if there are other people out there Want, wanting him you know I, I don't think it's a question of he's not flashy it's a question of he hasn't uh, been afforded the um the luxury of being flashy because he hasn't had what to be flashy with you know what though russ over the course of their careers and you know how much uh, affection i have for phil sims he's my favorite all-time player and i don't walk away from that uh i'm a huge eli manning fan as well but the truth of the matter is, when you look at the overall numbers and the spectacular plays and, and the fantasy football-type stats, Eli dwarfs Phil Simms. Right. But Phil Simms was the perfect quarterback for those teams. Well, and not well, everybody would have wanted a Phil Simms on their roster. Some people would have wanted a Montana. Others would have wanted a Dan Fouts. Others would have wanted a Dan Marino. It's about who's the fit for your team. How does it mesh with what you're trying to do. Daniel Jones meshes with this team and this market and this this environment probably better than anybody else could right now. That's why he's a great fit here and a better fit and more valuable to the Giants than he is somebody else. All righty, 201-939-4513 is the number. Let's go to our buddy in Delaware, Coach Marv. Coach Marvin, how you doing, Coach? You're- Hey, how you doing, Russ and Paul? Going? Hey, Coach. Doing good, doing good. You, you, can, you can hear me? You yes, hear me all right? we're hearing something in the background. What I you think hear? you're at football yeah. practice. Well, no, because I'm at a restaurant with five beautiful women, and I'm, I'm stuck in a restaurant now, right now. But right. Uh, I'm going to go somewhere where you can hear me. But real quick. Oh, well, wait, what are you doing talking to us? Wait a minute. You, you're, in a restaurant, <laughs> you're in a restaurant with five beautiful women. Now, if you were telling me this is midnight, I would wonder what kind of restaurant it was, Coach Marv. <laughs> my, oh, my. What can no, we do for it, you, Coach? Well, I just want to talk about the team, what they're doing so far. Um, I'm not going to get too overconfident in it. This next game coming up is the one that I'm worrying about, I think, the next four. Um, I said it a long time ago. When you're trying to start a team, you have to teach a team that doesn't play well, you have to teach them how to compete. And we're winning games, but I think the most important, we're learning how to compete, and they're competing. Um, The second thing you want to do is teach them how to win. And as they're competing, they're winning these games. So they're learning how to win. You, you know, you know what, Coach? I just want to interrupt for one second. That's a great statement you just made. They're learning how to compete. That's a really solid as a rock statement. I like that very much, Coach. Right. And, and now, now they're learning how to win. But the key to learning how to win and mix with um, competing, you have to beat teams that you're supposed to beat. Now, we got four of them coming up, and that's why it concerns me that I don't want them to feel that they just beat Green Bay, which is a good organization, not having a great year, but they have a good roster. Same thing with Baltimore. Not having a great year, but they got a good roster. Those teams can play, and we beat them. But now you're playing someone maybe you should be beating. Okay. And these are the dangerous games. Okay. But, Coach, let me interrupt one second because maybe you didn't hear me early on because you were talking with your five lady friends in the restaurant over there. 
<laughs> but but um, yeah, I know you're talking about at Jacksonville, at Seattle, Dubai, and then Houston and Detroit. And I said this to Paul, and listen, I'm as excited or more excited about the Giants than most people. Uh, I, w- I was talking about them on my w- weekly uh, podcast this morning. Uh, but but my, my point being, um, I don't think, they're not there yet where I can look at, at a, a schedule and say they should beat this team, they should beat that team, nor, right. nor am I saying they should lose to this team. This team is still right. the work in progress, so we're not there yet. I, I just don't think, they've, they haven't earned the right yet as far as I'm concerned to be, for me to be able to say you should beat A, B, and C. I, I just don't see right. that yet. And, Coach, I, I, I think you I, would also agree, and I'll let you finish in a moment, when you lose a game as a favorite, and I know Jacksonville is technically favored by the Vegas people this weekend, but when you lose a game as a favorite, you undo the upset victory that you gained as an underdog a few weeks earlier. And psychologically, right. you may actually do more damage than w- the help gotcha. that you gained. That's what I'm afraid of right there, Paul. You're exactly right. But good coaching can handle that. And I agree with what Russ said. They're not there yet. But this is, this is where you grow to be that team in this week's game. And the week after, you don't worry about the week after, but this week is that game you're going to measure yourself on where you are as far as the team. I would, but, I would, um, I would say, but that's how you, you know what it is? It's like building up equi- goodwill equity. You know, you, you're proven yes. to yourself and you're proven to your yes. public and you're proven to your coach. We've earned yes. the right to now say, yeah, we should win that game. Right, but, but right. I got the, they're not there I yet. Got, right, I agree. I got two more things real quick. Um, I know Paul talks to these guys at uh, Barkley. I don't know if people realize when Barkley's running to his left, he's carrying the ball in the wrong hand. And, I've seen and, it. And that, con- that concerns me because I've seen, I think it was a Green Bay game. A guy punched at the ball, but he missed the whole ball. So I, I, I'm, I'm wondering if they're addressing I that. I think I remember that too. Yeah. Coach, I, I will tell you this. There have been a couple of times where he actually wanted to transfer the ball, and he didn't because he thought the transfer was more dangerous than just holding it tight with the wrong arm. Now, that may not be a good enough excuse for you or not, but I appreciate the sentiment. He knows better than that. But in his mind, there's a risk-reward there. Do I, do I put it in the right arm, but do I risk losing the ball on the transfer? All right. Well, a lot of time it was on, the, it was on a, a big run that he had. But I have one more thing. I don't want to get on that. Just the last one real quick. I have a player that played with um, Victor Cruz by the name of Jonathan Hernandez, and I just got an invitation uh, out up in Boston that the city is putting him in the Hall of Fame. So I will like to congratulate them on the air and let them know that I'm, I'm proud of him. All right. Well, that's, that's ver- so cool. Very nice, uh, Coach. And uh, now, now you go back to your five lady friends there and, uh, you know, have a nice afternoon. Let me put it that way. You too. You too. <laughs> be good, good Coach. You, All right. You be well, buddy. Great caller. I love Coach. I'm here with five women in a restaurant. Okay, what are you doing? What does that say about us, Russ? Yeah. I mean, we rank pretty high on his list. Yeah. Danny Boy, Danny down in Virginia. How you doing, Danny? You're on with Russ and Paul. Hey, what's going on, fellas, man? I'm, I'm here. I'm born and raised in the Bronx, and now 
in Virginia for the diehard Giants fan. And uh, oh, you wait a I'm, minute, you're you're born and raised in the boogie down, and you're you're like a big Giants fan. Plus, the Yankees are on the way to the ALCS. You must be clicking your heels down there. Oh man, it's like fairy <laughs> dust, like the fairy dust over here, right? Just <laughs> out, man. I'm really excited, man. I'm happy about my team and how they're doing. But one of the things I wanted to comment on, and I heard you guys talking about. You know, the expectation and what could have been in terms of having Tony, Shepard, and Gallagher yeah. out there. And how the reality is right now is that our, our receivers, may they not be elite, they get the job done because of the schemes. And, and I would like to pose this, right? Like, because they're winning as a result of the scheme. Does it really matter that you don't have these elite guys um, making these numbers and winning games? I, I I'm happy right now. Look, uh, well, you, you know what, Dan, to win, I'm good with it. You, so you, what? Yeah, but you, you know what, Danny, I, I'm good with it too. But I don't think I want to be waiting on these comebacks. You know, you know, with I'm ready for what those air sickness bags that you get on an airplane. Uh, you know, I need a Dramamine pill when we're getting into that fourth quarter and you're down X amount of points. I, I don't want to get to that point. I mean, you know, uh, gets a little scary at times. Danny, bear with me a second, all right? Because I think what you have to understand is that with the limitations they have offensively right now from that receiver's room, there are going to be times when they're going to fall behind by more than 14 points. We talked about this yesterday, Russ, with Schmelk. The Giants have not trailed by more than 14 points in a game yet this season. When they are down by three scores, what is going to be their ability to bounce back from that kind of deficit? It does not appear that the wide receiver room has that kind of firepower that if they get into a track meet, they're probably going to fall by the wayside. So at some point in time, that's going to happen, and they're not going to have enough firepower. But at the risk of you throwing my cell phone across the room, and you're going to want to do it, so just please, maybe I should hold on to it. You could make a case that long-term, this team is learning so much more about itself through the grit and the comebacks that they've had and had to fight through the limitations that they've had that this team may be better off in the long run going through what they've gone through. Well, I would say this before I throw the cell phone at you. They may be better in the long run moving forward because you have all these these other players who are in there now learning. They're making the contributions. You know, it's, it's the next man standing. So my cell phone's okay? Well, just for the time being, you knucklehead, because um, if those other guys don't come back and it just stays as it is... Then you become a moron. Yeah, you know. Uh, and right now you're bordering. You're walking the okay. fence. Okay, okay. Go ahead, Danny. I, I totally appreciate that, man. And I and I understand what you're saying. It's like you know, we're living too close to the edge, right? Amen to that, Danny boy. Yeah, and you do want that one guy, right? So, so answer me this, and then I'm off. So, what's the probability of the acquiring? an A-level receiver out there in the next, you know, month or so? Well, the trade deadline is the beginning of November, okay? So uh, if the Giants are involved in any kind of conversations, 
the first thing that you're going to have to ask yourself if you're Joe Shane is what is the price? Because he values those draft picks Big time. so, so important to him as he tries to build the foundation and, and this team going forward. He's not going to want to give up much of a premium in no. terms of draft picks. The other thing you have to consider is where is the cap situation? The Giants are razor thin under the cap right now. So how much money would they have to take on? Uh, for the second half of the season with the guy that they might acquire. And, and there let, are impediments, is my point. No, you're right, Paul. And let me just say this, because one of the callers alluded to it earlier. I forget which one. And it, it struck me. And then we got on talking about something else. You know, names that you see, rumors that you see, that's exactly what they are. They, they're rumors. Sometimes they're put out by agents. Sometimes they're put out, well, this one says, well, I know this guy wants to come back and this guy w- wants to do this. And, you know, it, it's just rumor, you know, but r- rumor is not fact. It remains rumor. It, it's nice and sexy and gives everybody something to talk about. But, you know, like it's like reading about, oh, OBJ. Oh, you know, he wants to come back. Oh, you know, they had him coming back. He was visiting Sterling Shepard in the thing, and everybody went nuts for an afternoon. Look, Joe Shane's going to do his due diligence. Yeah, he's going to He fi- will. His phone's open. If somebody wants to call him and talk about something, he'll do his due diligence. But I do think there are a number of hurdles to clear before anything could possibly happen. You, you, you know, we said this earlier in the season. You know, because somebody calls up Joe Shane and says, is this guy available? You know, there was the big talk. Oh, Joe Shane was actively trying to, before, you know, back before training camp, Joe Shane was actively trying to trade Kadarius Tony. okay? This w- was then. And, well, you know, and he, he said no. Now, if somebody calls up Joe Shane and says, uh, hey, are you um, interested uh, in trading uh, Kadarius or... X, Y, and Z, or Mo, Larry, and Curly from the Three Stooges. And what what should Joe Shane say? He should say, no, I'm not. Or should he say, being a d- diligent GM, what do you have in mind? What do you have to offer? That's what you do. But somebody gets that, an agent hears that, He's act- they're act- the Giants are actively trying to trade this guy and that guy. That's how it f- works, folks. All I'm saying is, don't be suckers. And and when the caller who called up earlier about you, you know I think it was Levon the the um, being the, the conduit, the con- conduit you got to be careful yep. where the conduit where it's coming from. That's all I'm going to say. Fun show today, folks. As always, thank everybody for calling. Got to give a big time thanks to our main man here, Pearson Butler at the controls. My buddy Paul Dettino, Amro Salzberg. Most of all, got to thank you to people because without you to people. We'd have nobody here to be talking to here on Big Blue Kickoff. And by the way, Pearson, find out what restaurant Coach Marvin was at, okay? (laughs) Also, I didn't know there was an Oakland, New Jersey. You didn't? Nope. It's not far from what the. (laughs) Let's say goodbye. Maybe you were with Coach Marvin with with the five women in the restaurant in Delaware. Kind of wish I was. Yeah, yeah, well, that's part of your problem, but that's that's a story for another day. Folks, thank you for being here. We'll talk to you next week. Always a pleasure. Enjoy.